0: Hello, and welcome to the PCRS podcast series. In this series, we'll be bringing you experts on a number of respiratory related topics. The podcast has been produced to update you and to give you food for thought about how you deliver your respiratory services. So welcome to this podcast, which is going to be about respiratory consultations, um, and that's now and in the future about getting the balance right. We're going to discuss remote consultations. We know a lot of people have been doing them very effectively for some time and some less so. So what are the top tips we can get? So I'm Jane Scullion, Consultant Nurse at the University Hospitals of Leicester. I'm delighted to be back with you, Steve. Um, Steve Holmes, who's a GP in shepton Mallet.
1: Thank you very much. And I noticed you always drop in Shepton Malay very quietly. It's not a posh place. It's Shepton Mallet. And and everybody (laughs) locally will know that. But anyway, we're here today to talk about what remote consultations. And I think that's a phrase now that everybody has accepted. People did talk about virtual consultations for a while, but remote means at a distance. And that's where it's come in.
0: So we're going to be discussing what's effective about it some of the pitfalls that people might fall into, some of the top tips from from doing it. And and I know, Steve, you've been doing it for a long time because of triage.
1: Yes, I I think probably as a little example, I remember must be in the early 1990s, somebody phoning at the weekend, speaking to my registrar when we were doing on call together And about five minutes in, I put a little note saying, probably best to go and visit now. 45 minutes later, the doctor came off the phone and went to visit the patient and spent another half an hour with the patient at the time. I think what you need to be thinking about when you are speaking to somebody for a triage or an acute problem is, How much information do I need to make a decision on how this is best managed? Can I do this in a single acute consultation or do I need to plan a routine consultation or do I need to see them face to face? And when that decision is made, you've got to think about your time efficiency with it.
0: Yeah, so um, we were fairly new to um, remote consultations in some ways, and that was a matter of necessity. And one of the hardest things I found was actually not being able to see the person because that was my safety net, if if you like, in, in a lot of ways. How to ascertain what's really going on with them, how to differentiate between how they felt and how they were And if you've never met somebody before, it's even more difficult because you're trying to make a a judgment on somebody that you don't know. So it's easier if it's somebody that, you know, often appears breathless on the phone, often has, you know, a a symptom of chest infection. And and I guess it's knowing their baseline and knowing, as you said, what is it that they're consulting with on that time?
1: Yeah. and So again, it goes back to that. What is the purpose of the discussion? Is it planned? Um, We had a few people who phoned us back saying, I've spoken to a doctor, I think, um, about my knee. Can I just speak to them again? Because I didn't understand what they said. And we had no record of it in our notes and eventually managed to work out it was uh, a doctor, one of our colleagues from the hospital who'd phoned up, um to try to discuss about management of their arthritis um really important the patient knows who it is where you're from and what you're trying to get out from that
0: yeah that 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 made me smile steve because i did one this week with a patient who um halfway through said what are you actually ringing me about and i said about you you know your your breathing they said i was expecting a call from the dermatologist (laughs)
1: Yeah, so it's the same sort of thing, isn't it, being clear at the beginning. So yeah, you you can't win them all.
0: Absolutely. So do you think that a planned review is a lot easier than than the acute consultation?
1: Yeah, quite a lot of the consultations that many of us will do, there'll have been a note going to the patient saying, or they will have arranged the time so that they know roughly when you're going to call. And when you call them and you give your name and say, hi, it's Steve, I'm, one of the doctors at the practice at X think I've been asked to give you a call today about, is that right? Then they're on the same page and we know where we're at. Um, But it's easy for that to go wrong. Yeah.
0: But interestingly, they're they're less sympathetic about if you're not on time than they are when they're sitting in the waiting room and they realize there are other people actually being seen. So, you know, you ring at five past two and it's like, well, I was expecting you at two o'clock or whatever.
1: Oh, very interesting. I'll seem to be more, I think probably because our receptionists give them a, a flexible time of around an hour. They, they're they perhaps more understanding that it might not be exactly the same time. So
0: that's a really good tip that we should take on board and say it will be between two and three or between three and four
1: or whatever. That that certainly helped ours. And it is, it is difficult sometimes because I think the other thing that I've picked up on quite heavily is, you speak to somebody on the phone, you need to be sure that you're speaking to the right person to begin with. You need to know that it, it is Mrs. Bloggs, not their husband or their aunt or sister or something like that. So, so we do have to be quite careful. And if I get through on a phone call and have to leave an answer phone message, I normally will say, if I hear the name, I can say who it is and say who I am. If not, I say, this is the doctors at Shepton Mallet. If you're expecting a call, please will you recontact the surgeon and we'll arrange to speak to you again? Because I don't want to say, hello, Mrs. Jones, I phoned you about X, Y or Z, when it might not even be the right number.
0: I think that's really important in terms of leaving messages on phones. And it goes the same with with email and, and, and everything we do, even letters to patients that... You've got to be sure that it's the right person who's getting the diagnosis. Can't be anything more worrying than saying, you know, this is the lung cancer team from such and such ringing you. Uh, can you ring us back? And they're like, crikey. Yeah.
1: Yes, we don't want to be giving out results to people who we shouldn't give results out to. So it doesn't So it has to be done carefully.
0: Yes. And, and I don't know your area, but I mean, we have to use a lot of interpreters, which is a bit different when they're actually in the hospital. So we can use the telephone line interpreters, but often we're trying to ring patients and it will be the daughter, the son. And you're never really sure about the whole picture and what's going on because it's remote.
1: Yeah, really fascinating. We did a, um, a survey that we had published recently on interpreters uh, with our training doctors and we had a hungarian doctor who said i'll speak in hungarian to the interpreter when another doctor was doing the being the, being the doctor and we had a german doctor and it was really fascinating both those doctors who had, were natural uh, hungarian german speakers said the interpreters were really inaccurate in what they translated to the clinician so it's worthwhile bearing in mind that the interpreters aren't always trained in medical translation and will miss some of the nuances from your own language or locality in that country. Um, So you've always got to take that with a pinch of salt, something I hadn't realised before, and I don't think any of us had.
0: No, I I think, you know, because of our varied ethnic background, even when you've got um, people and you're seeing them face-to-face and you're going through interpreters, you're never really quite sure of what the interpretation is. And, you know, you you ask something that's fairly simple, more or less a a yes or no, or very simple sentence. And suddenly you're lost in this conversation where I think they're trying to be helpful, but they're actually becoming non-medical specialists during it.
1: Yeah. So so nice little warning about use of consultation, both remotely and face-to-face, I guess. Um, I think the other thing that I I watch out for again is we do quite a bit of email and video work. Video, I think, works really well if the patient has the technology to do that. And like some of the telephone consultations where mums have sent in pictures of their child's rash to us or uh, other things going on can be really time-saving. So I don't think, I think we're here now, we should be embracing remote consultation and using it where appropriate to save patients having to come in to save long-distance travel, to make it easier to give results, to make easier, quicker decisions that are more timely and less disruptive to our patients and make it more efficient for us. But there is still a place face-to-face.
0: And, and a lot of it is patient-driven. As you as you say, a lot of people actually quite like it. So where I've offered face-to-face, they'll say, oh, no, I'm, I'm happy with the telephone. I'm in a stable place at the moment, and, and, and they're quite reasonable. And interestingly, some of them will even if you've seen them. So we have a patient group that we've been attending um, and we've been seeing people there. But then when their appointment comes through as telephone, we're getting a call saying, oh, well, why is this now? Why is my review now not face-to-face? I need to be seen by somebody I've not been seen. And I'm like, but we've been seeing you for the last three or four months at, at the patient group without having concerns. And it's that sort of, sort of patient, oh, well, I haven't been seen for 18 months, I should be seen. Or if I haven't been seen for this long, should be seen sometimes when there's not actually a clinical need
1: yeah and that that probably fits down to expectations and and what we want and quite often it is nicer to um be seen face to face uh we, we probably all have that on telephones where we think i wish i could speak to a real person rather than the automated voice and then we think wouldn't it have been nicer just to be sitting opposite that person, chat it through quickly locally and get it sorted out with a bank manager or whoever else it might be. So I, I guess we're all in this new world, but we've got to make sure we do what's best for our patients still.
0: Completely. And and I think some things just don't work for some people over the phone. So, um, you know, I, I've found um, physio interventions over the phone have, have been difficult because People can say, well, yes, I'm doing that, or no, I'm not doing that, or yes, I'm walking right, or I'm breathing right. And actually, it's really hard to put something right if you can't see it. So I guess video in that instance might help a bit, but you know, it's it's not always ideal.
1: Yeah. Very interesting when you talked about face to face. And one of the things that's probably worthwhile just reviewing is you're you're getting some more complaints about not seeing people face to face, so are we in primary care. I remember two or three months ago, we had a letter from the local MPs in our county saying, we know that you're not seeing people face to face and we want you to buck your ideas up and see people face to face. Now it's safe. Um, I paraphrase that, of course, but it was that sort of message. And we we needed to send back a letter to the MPs, um, which said, thank you very much. It was our quietest month. Um, We only managed to see 60% of the population face-to-face in that month, in our quiet month. Um, I don't know what you mean by saying that we're not seeing anybody face-to-face. The workload has ramped up since July. Um, We did get a nice letter of apology from the war actually saying we didn't realise how much was going on. It was just what we were hearing in the press. So sometimes people can learn from some of the media that you see that might be adverse.
0: I'm I'm sure you're right on that one. And, and, you know, even the things that that patients often don't think about, um, you know, the actual personal space within our waiting areas, especially in a more acute setting and bringing relatives with them, which reduces somebody else's appointment face-to-face. So physically we're constrained and have had to adapt as well as, you know, wanting to. Most of us like seeing people face to face. We're people, people. So that's why we come into this business. But, you know, we can make it safe and effective for the majority of our patients. So if we'd got our consultation, what are some of the things we need to think about? Steve? What are the pitfalls? What are the issues we've got to establish relatively quickly when we start that consultation?
1: I guess a few quick things. One, is it the right person? Two, do I understand, like any consultation, do I understand why they're why we're discussing things what we're what we're trying to share what we're trying to understand what we're trying to assess number 3 recognizing i'm speaking to you would i benefit significantly by seeing you face to face examining your tummy listening to your chest or can this be safely managed at home and and often people say the daily mail question could you justify to the daily mail could you justify To your colleagues perhaps, that this was a safe and appropriate way to manage somebody in that situation. If it's not safe we're better arranging to see the person and make the appropriate assessment. So so it is really about that patient's safety and us doing the right thing for them for those people.
0: And a lot of respiratory consultations are obviously about breathlessness and that's not always that easy to assess over the phone my own sort of rule of thumb has been if they're speaking in sentences, I'm generally not as worried as somebody who actually can't get the words out. Now, I know that for some people, you know, you can have disordered breathing and everything else. But for the person who's happily chatting away to me, I'm not that concerned. It's the ones that keep stopping and pausing that I worry about.
1: I, I think that's true. And, that's, and if you know the patient, you know roughly what how they normally communicate with you. That gives you an even better indication But but yes, can they complete a sentence? That classical thing from the BTS sign guidance on managing acute asthma. Um, I I guess the other thing like that is if I've spoken to somebody once about a respiratory problem and we've had a plan of action, be that increasing short-acting beta agonist, be that actually treating it as an exacerbation and the person's not improving, my threshold for a face-to-face clinical examination must be a lot lower. If they don't respond in the way you expect,
0: It's the importance of that review, isn't it? You know, has it worked, especially if we're altering something or advising something to somebody over the phone, the safety netting of if it works, great, but if it doesn't work or I have that suspicion, then I'm going to have to act on it. Yeah.
1: So so I think they're here to stay. I think it's a good move forward we've made by doing this, and I think it will benefit uh, both the planet in terms of distances people have to travel, and make us more efficient but I didn't come into this role to be a telephonist and I don't think many of my colleagues in healthcare wanted just to speak to people over the phone we're not going to lose that face-to-face need for clinical assessment.
0: I think that's really important and it's been absolutely lovely seeing you face-to-face Steve and not just always having a remote consultation so um, hopefully we've made people think anything anybody wants to add into the conversation again use the website links and, and let us know let's get talking and let's get it right
1: brilliant thanks so much Jane take care of yourself
0: and you have a good day thank you for listening please remember to subscribe for future podcasts goodbye